Hi again, everyone out there in podcast land, and welcome into what we call the Adam Jones Podcast, presented by the Baltimore Banner. He's the former five-time All-Star Adam Jones. I'm Jerry Coleman, and today, AJ, we have reached episode number 52. Hey, the old Brim Reaper, George Sherrill. Obviously, there's a bigger 52 in Baltimore, but my man, George Sherrill, All-Star in 2008. Let's not forget no, let's not. And when Ray Lewis wants to come on the podcast, we'll acknowledge his number 52. All right. Today in episode 52, we're going to be joined by a pair of the Banners, outstanding baseball writers. They are Daniel Allentuck and Andy Koska. We'll hold a roundtable discussion, not only discuss the Orioles season and postseason, but also what's going on around Major League Baseball as the awards are about to be given out very soon. In addition, Adam and I are also going to discuss the Ravens' domination against the Detroit Lions. Woo! The Lions' den was uh, put down early by Lamar and company, and next up, a trip to the desert to face the Cardinals. Plus, we'll deliver another segment of Socially Speaking, where one person and one person only will qualify for an Iron Rooster gift card by corresponding with us on social media at Adam Jones Pod is where you can find us on all the platforms. Let's begin with our guest, though. Our guest is actually two guests, sponsored by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, we welcome back the banners, Danielle Allentuck and Andy Koska, who covered the Orioles throughout the season. Guys, thanks for being here. Appreciate all that you have done in terms of your coverage. And let's begin with the uh, postseason and the way things went. We'll start with Danielle and then move to Andy, ladies first. Uh, the layoff with the playoffs. We saw what happened with the Dodgers. We saw what happened with the Braves and these five days off and they all had five days off between the end of the season and game one. And then there were five, you know, they, then they played three games over five days and it didn't go well for any of the three teams. So my question is, before Adam falls asleep, is what's going to change here going forward? Do you think there will be a reaction from the powers that be at Major League Baseball because of what we witnessed? And I don't think so, because I don't think any team is ever going to come out and say, hey, we had five days off and that's why we lost. So we have to change it. They're never going to make an excuse like that. And I think each case was a little bit different. The Orioles lost. It's, in my opinion, more blamed on pitching than on the layoff. And pitching can only benefit from the rest. So I don't think anything's going to change. Maybe when the next CBA comes along, whenever that is. But I I, I don't think so unless teams are willing to come forward and use that as an excuse for why they lost. Andy? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, nothing's going to change. And I don't think there needs to be a change. Uh, they, they should be pretty grateful that, you know, Cedric Mullins had five days to rest and he's been banged up big time, you know, the last half of a season. You know, it was only a good thing for the Orioles that the guys got rest and they just kind of hit a buzzsaw. And we've seen what Texas has done, uh, you know, the rest of the playoffs. Adam, you obviously agree with everything was just said. Of course, because you, you, you know, you argue teams get mad when you, know, you only get one wild card game. You only gave me one shot up and now you got three. You, you argued that you have three, you have an extra team to get in the playoffs. You won your division. That's incentive to get rest. The Braves, Spencer Strider said it perfectly. Hey, who's you? you I'm a professional athlete. I, I, I was supposed to get up for this moment. The Orioles got beat because they got beat. Texas came in hot. They just, I mean, it benefit. It's been everything right now. It's benefiting Texas the most because they came in hot. Texas and Philly because again they had two offenses. Arizona too. You got three of the wild card teams that are in there. These teams came in hot. 
And you, I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, man, I, I wish I had the break. I, I'm sure all the other teams wish they had the break, too, and win their division. I wish Texas – I'm sure Texas wished they won the division instead of losing on the last day. No one, no one's mentioning Houston did not have any problem with taking care of, of, uh, of Minnesota. My thing that I propose is maybe the number one seed gets to pick who he plays because the Orioles would have probably picked to play Minnesota overplaying a hot Texas team. The uh, Braves would have probably picked playing Arizona over playing Philly. Those are my, if, if you can do something like that, I think that's been proposed before, you know, that that would be crazy, but I think it'd be good because you're being called out mano a mano. You know what I mean? That, that's just my, that's just my two cents. All right. Some responses from you guys. <laughs> I just don't see that working well. I mean, it's like a draft for the playoffs kind of, and you're picking your team. Only after they win, though. Like after Minnesota, after t- after Houston beat um, Houston beat Minnesota or or whatever. After the, the Twins beat the beat the Blue Jays, the Rays lost to Texas. The Orioles, as the number one seed, gets to say, "Okay, I want to play him. I want to play them." So you keep teams on the tarmac, and then <laughs> <laughs> it's a logistics issue, big logistics issue, massive one. That's yeah. that's that's uh, that's billboard material for 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 the twins. They're gonna say, "Hey, they wanted to face us." That that they're gonna take that and, and, and really run with it. You know, maybe it works, but I think that uh, maybe only mo- motivates the team that gets chosen more. I think big so, um, yeah. big time. Um, obviously, uh, free agency is gonna approach. Um, you know, the World Series obviously is is gonna take place, and you can't talk to anybody. Uh, we have in-house guys that need that need some love. I don't, I don't know if they're free agents yet. Mullins and and Santander. What do you think their futures are? Their futures hold with you know, it's. I think it's coming at the same time. It's the same thing as me. Is guys are getting older. You also have guys that are knocking on the door. So, what do you think their future holds? Hey, before we let them answer, let's all hear what Mike Elias had to say about the situation, which. We all witnessed firsthand at least three of the four. It's it's a really good group. I, I'm I'm not going to start uh, talking about specific individual business uh, in any corner of the organization uh, right now. But um, it's a really good group of players, and um, they had good seasons, and they're going to get raises through the system. What does that mean? It means they're not going to tell us anything. <laughs> that's what happens. That's what it means. Uh, he's good at that. He, uh, Mike Mike is a smart guy and is not going to tip his hands. Um, but you know, as you know, these guys are arbitration eligible. Uh, Santander's final year. Uh, I think Mullins might be entering his final year. Somebody fact check me on that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're due for raises. Uh, Santander especially, you know, should get a, a pretty big pay raise, which of course starts the the trade conversations. Uh, he's had trade conversations for the past three off seasons and, you know, has never been dealt. And I still, you know, of course it, it technically you, you look at the wages and you say, okay, we have a Colton Cowser, you have a Kyle Stowers, you have guys coming up, Heston Kerstad that, you know, are corner outfielders who, you know, can play almost every day, but you don't have a switch hitter that can produce a, the, he's probably the best switch hitting power hitter in baseball. Uh, so that doesn't come that doesn't come around very frequently. So I don't know if the O's will actually be willing to part ways with that when they still have team control on a guy. So we'll see. I mean, that's that's all ahead in the offseason. But um, definitely, I, I still I still believe that Mullins and Santander will be big pieces of this team in 2024. I agree. I mean, Cedric in particular, his defense is really hard to replace. And I think that they need that. I don't think any of their top prospects 
are there yet and can replicate what he can do. I mean, even if he has to bat ninth in the lineup, if he continues to have a layoff at the plate next year. But I just don't think Kalzer or Kirk said, I just don't think that they're ready yet to be everyday major league players. So I think maybe next year, if one of those two or any of the other prospects come up, I could see them trading somebody at the deadline. But I don't necessarily see it happening this offseason. Do we all agree that some trades are going to have to be made during the offseason because of the glut, especially in the infield? And maybe also, this is sort of a two-part question, the second half would be getting ahead. This is not an Oriole tradition. Uh, they did it with Adam. They haven't done it with a lot of guys and Chris Davis. But paying some guys like Gunnar Henderson and some other guys up front, giving them money that they can't turn down at this juncture. Well, Scott Boris is uh, Gunnar Henderson's agent, so he's not getting a long-term extension, uh, you know, most likely, just based on Boris's practices, uh, you know, with other with other big names. Uh, and he's got yeah. Rutschman too, right? No, Rushman's with, with a different agency. Okay. But, All you know, right. you'd, you'd imagine a, a, a similar, why not? you know, kind of see in five years what the open market looks like, you know, even if, even if you come back, you know, it's, it's players have that right and, and they should take advantage of it. Um, so I, I, I think it would be difficult to tie those guys down long-term um, not just because of the Orioles track record of not really doing that, but also just based on those players might want to, and their representation might encourage them to say, Hey, you know, you're fine playing year to year here. You really like it here. And uh, when the time comes, maybe you resign. And, uh, well, you know, but you may as well hear what other teams have to offer as well. Uh, to go to the first part of your question, trades, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine there's some trade maybe for a starting pitcher, pitching candidate, uh, maybe a number two starter behind Bradish. Uh, we'll see what that looks like. But they definitely have the capital that they can get something done. Um, you know, or they could really, you know, we saw what Nathan Uvaldi did, you know, on a, on a two-year free agent deal with, with Texas, a uh, phenomenal postseason. Maybe they go that route instead, but definitely I'd imagine, you know, you, you have to do something to add a starting pitcher this offseason. I could also see them trading for a closer. You know, they have all these prospects. They have a backlog right now. You know, now it's kind of the time to go big and make that move. You know, Batista's out for all of next year and then he's back. You could go for a guy who has one year left in his contract and have a solid closer for all of next year instead of kind of doing closer by committee again. I like that. <laughs> I like the little no. rascal behind no. you. The kids going crazy. No, okay. Now we talk. We talk about the players. We never talk about Hyde and Elias contracts. What? What? Uh, what's the status on their contracts? No one knows literally anything about about their contracts. And I, I mean, obviously, I think what the job they've done, everybody wants them around. But people want to know: Are they on year to year? Like, you know, what's What's going on? It's like the most secretive operative contracts in the history. Of, they're yeah. more secretive than certain players. And again, before you answer, let's hear how he was being coy with the media. <laughs> um, you know, everyone who's here, while they're here, has full support um, to, to talk a little bit about your question. And, and me and Brandon, we are 100% in on this. Um, we're giving our hearts and souls and minds and quite a bit of experience to this. Um, and I, I, I hope that lasts forever. A roundtable discussion here with Danielle Allen Tuck and Andy Koska from the Baltimore Banner about the Orioles and MLB continues after a word. And please salute our loyal, dedicated sponsors. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones podcast. 
The Baseball Warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the Major Leagues. Check out TheBaseballWarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's Baseball Warehouse opening in Columbia this October. Yeah, it's October 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I'll be there with many of my former teammates and I want to see you there. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Charm City's favorite crab cake destination. Local sports fan? Experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate. Cheer on the Ravens with iconic live performances, an open bar, and mouth-watering eats. Can't make it? No worries. Bring the same food that caught the attention of the Food Network right to your doorstep. Shipping East Coast recipes nationwide. Jimmy's Famous Seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the Adam Jones Podcast. And by our friends at the Weinman Company. Your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf. Medical cannabis only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award-winning coffee just for signing up. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to be a professional football kicker. I would know. I am a professional football kicker. So when I need the energy to get through a tough practice, I get a cup of coffee from Royal Farms. Royal Farms new coffee machines grind fresh beans and brew them for a perfect cup every time. It's the freshest coffee in the world and just the kick I need. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Now, let's get back to our continuing conversation, our roundtable discussion with the Baltimore Banners baseball beat writers, Danielle Allen Tuck and Andy Koska right here on the Adam Jones podcast. I think I asked Kyle Goon. We asked Kyle Goon last week the same question. Why is it so secretive? How long these guys are under contract? How does that benefit the organization? Or is that, how is that any competitive advantage or disadvantage? I mean, in their defense, I don't think most GM contracts are known out there. 
um, at least that I for the teams that I've covered so far. Maybe it's different in other markets, but in Colorado, New York, I never knew. Um, managers, you usually do know. I, I don't know. It's just kind of the way Orioles do things. They like to be secretive and not share anything. It's not a competitive but, advantage. But to that, I was there when they signed to Dan and Buck, got two six-year contracts, public, I mean, big Big news, like yeah. you don't hear. Like, so it's, I guess. I mean, I guess it's new. I mean, Andy McPhail was the GM before. I'm sure something was public about his contract. Um, but like Buck and Dan got sizable, obviously making good money. But they were sizable deals. We all got six at the same time. Yeah, it's not a good omen. Triple six. Uh, probably like <laughs> no. ass is kicked no. towards the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, it's a new regime, new regime in Baltimore, and this has been the, the way. It, the way it goes uh, since since Michael Elias has arrived is, you know, why give unnecessary information uh, if you don't need to. Uh, but, you know, later in the, you, know, the, you saw the clip where he clearly says, you know, hey, we're all in on this, you know, hopefully forever, you know, whatever that means. But uh, he did confirm later that Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias are definitely here next season. Uh, Which I know blew you away hearing that news. Both <laughs> of you, I mean. Yeah, it was, it was a complete shock. But, you know, it's it, I think it's going to be we we pressured them during spring training too I, mean, I remember the first you know february 15 or whatever i'm in sarasota and we're asking all of them like hey what's your contract details look like and how long are you going to be here and same same deal you know very you know wishy-washy on on any details um but i think the there are a lot of attractive jobs open for both gm and manager um but i do not think those fans have anything to worry about this offseason of there being a change uh, for Mike or Brandon. I do wonder about the coaching staff, though. Oh, we, have, yeah. we have absolutely no details on that one. Yeah, that, that usually comes in early November where we hear uh, this guy's back, uh, this guy is not back, and this guy's taking his job. Right. Yeah. One I mean, there's openings. There's openings. I mean, you got to see Council, Stearns, up, you know, there's there's some openings out there, especially in Boston, the GM. I mean, you go down to Miami, the GM. I don't. I mean, obviously, that's a. Le- I think that's a lesser job than Baltimore. But Boston is obviously in a very, very attractive place. You know, to rebuild that whole organization with a boatload of money. So uh, that's why. That's why. I'm, as on this side, I'm understanding why people elevate. You know, like why are you taking that job when it was just so good here? Well, I'm getting triple the budget to work with. That's different. You know, so I'm. So I'm learning. I'm starting to learn and understand that side of the, of the game. Do you think other teams, and they've already started, are going to poach maybe people out of the Orioles' front office, Danielle, and then Andy? I could see maybe Sig getting poached. Um, he is the assistant GM. He's fantastic at what he does. I don't know what he wants to do, though. I mean, this is a really good opportunity here to help build, you know, a potential World Series team in the next couple of years. I don't know if you'd want to go to a team like Miami where, you know, you're kind of farther behind than the Orioles are, but... Of all the people, I could see him being the one getting poached. Yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good call from Danielle. I mean, we did see it with Brad Sielek, uh, you know, director of draft operations, just moved over to the Washington Nationals. Um, you know, similar similar role there uh, with with the Nats. But I mean, teams are recognizing what he did. Um, you know, and he was one of the few front office types that was kept over from the Dan Duquette years. You know, so uh, you know, but he he's did a phenomenal job building on the draft. I mean, he's responsible for Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson, you know, this entire farm system practically. Uh, of course, with Michael Ice and a million scouts and, and, and Jackson Holiday, you know, as, as the as the number one pick. You know, when you have a number one pick with uh, Jackson and, and Adley, it's hard to miss. But, um, you know, now with the Nationals, we'll, we'll, you know, you'll see what 
what he can do there. But definitely other franchises will be interested in uh, this front office because they have proven that, hey, it works. And then with a pretty low budget, they can, uh, you know, they can uh, get pretty good results. Now that you mentioned holiday, I think that's the that that this clock. I think everybody's predicting when this young man is going to uh, to get get to the big leagues. Obviously, his video him hitting with his father, and he's back on the, he's back on the drawing board, getting back on the grind, which I love. Um, your estimation and guess. My guess was the 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 old adage of the clock of. Uh, you know, of, of what's, it, what's it, May 25th through June 1st. That's when everybody, that's when that, you don't get the Super 2. But now if you win Rookie of the Year, you bypass the Super 2 and go straight to arbitration. So who cares about that? Um, when when do you guys estimate this young man potentially uh, making his way to Birdland? He could be the opening day second best man. I, I think he, he has an opportunity to, I mean, he'll be at big league camp again, uh, just like he was as a, fresh face 18 year old or whatever you know whatever he was last last offseason and he really impressed last year he was superb throughout every level of the minor leagues this year and he will go to uh you know february and march in, in sarasota with a with something to prove and i think he could be the starting second baseman um it'll be interesting to see you know adam frazier uh as a free agent um uh, now so we'll, we'll see if if he comes back um but uh, I think Holiday kind of has that inner track that he could be in that mix. Uh, he and Jordan Westberg kind of going to be battling it out, and maybe they'll both they'll both could both be on the roster. Uh, and Holiday has the opportunity to play shortstop too. Um, but I just I really like what Gunner does at short, and uh, you know his experience as a basically everyday shortstop in the big leagues already kind of gives him the front front edge to have that position. But you've got to like you know you you lick your chops when you see a guy like Jackson Holiday. And, uh, you know, he's only going to get bigger and better as the years go. I mean, Elias said he's going to be in camp with a chance to make the team. So he kind of alluded to that they're looking at him for that already for next year. I could kind of see him going back to AAA for maybe a couple weeks, the month of April. Um, I do think that they want to see him, you know, get challenged a little bit, maybe a little bit more. Um, I could see him being a May, June call up, but definitely before the all-star game. Um, he'll be at major league spring training. I mean, he was last year. Um, he hasn't had a, he didn't have a full season anywhere cause he moved so fast, but he, you know, hasn't been in triple a terribly long, but he did pretty well. Um, I think when you're 19 go, and then you're 20, that's that it's one year, but that's a lot of, uh, aging and physical development. I can't wait to see what he looks like in spring training. Yeah. I don't know how you hold him back guys. And also, it is a great dilemma to have whether he plays shortstop or Gunnar Henderson plays short or moves to third because some someone's going to have to move. I see Gunnar at short. I mean, I haven't seen Jackson play shortstop in person yet, so maybe I can't judge too much on that one. But I agree with Andy. I love watching Gunnar play shortstop. I think that's where he thrives over third base. But I, you can see them move around a lot. You know, they don't have to have set spots. And that's just my next, uh, next question, the gold glove. Uh, we got the. We might have a couple snubs. I don't think there's snubs yet. Um, Mullins, do you think, Adam. Do you think, think Gunner? Do you think Gunner should have been a candidate? It's hard to say that because because again, he does play third base a substantial amount. Like I, I, I can't say exactly to the percentage, but it's probably twenty to thirty percent of his innings have came at third base because of Mateo's playing. So it's it's hard for me to say. Oh, you get this. You get a Gold Glove at especially a premier position like shortstop when. 
you don't play shortstop when you're the premier shortstop, but you don't play it every single time. It was like a Lorenzo Cain issue years ago where he played center, but uh, every time there was a you know late inning defensive replacement, he went to right. You can't do that. If you're a premier center fielder, you can't get switched out. So, um, and then you got Mullins who just missed some games. He had some injuries, battled some injuries. That's part of it. Um, but then you got the guys who actually arc finalists, Hayes, Mountie. That was a surprise, but he's actually played pretty well. And obviously Adley. Um, what does that say to, first off, you know, I was there when, <clears throat> again, we had one, then we had three. Um, what does that say to just the testament of the attitude? Because defense is an attitude. Defense is not just a reactionary. No, defense is an attitude. What does that say to every day, them young men bringing it? Definitely. I mean, this the defense is, has been a huge boost for this team. And when you have, you know, pitch to contact pitchers, uh, you know, like a Kyle Gibson, uh, you know, tremendous when you have a, a strong defense behind them. I was, you know, a little surprised by the, the gold glove candidates. I think, uh, you know, Mullins could have been in there. Uh, Austin Hayes had some terrific catches and his arm uh, was, was terrific. Obviously he is one of the, one of the best arms in, in left field, but uh, some of his jumps this year made some of the catches, uh, you know, excuse me if, if Austin hears this, but, you know, some of the jumps were, you know, according to analytics, you know, a, a little bit delayed or, you know, the other direction, which it's maybe made a little bit of the catches a little bit better. Uh, but he made the catches, and that, that's what counts at the end of the day. So there's still still web gems. Uh, but, you know, Gunner could have been a, a candidate too. And, you know, he had some errors early in the year with his, with his throwing when he had that wrist injury. So that probably worked against him a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, props to Ryan Mountcastle. If you consider he came up as a shortstop, uh, you know, played a little bit of, you know, corner outfield in the minors uh, and now has really transitioned to first base. And that's not an easy position to learn. Um, and he's done a great job. So credit to where, where the guys are, are due. And then, you know, Adley and his framing and his blocking are, you know, ter- terrific behind the plate. So, uh, but yeah, all over the field, there's a lot of great defenders and, and that's a huge, huge plus. You know, I just realized the four of us have combined for five golden gloves. When you combine this roundtable panel, we have combined for five golden gloves. Something to be proud of. Go ahead, Danielle. It looked like you had something to say. Specifically me, who's never played baseball before. (laughs) Quite an honor. Um, I mean, to Adam's earlier point, I mean, they were playing defense every day. I mean, every game mattered for them. So, you know, one defensive mistake, you know, would have been a huge flop for them. So they had to play every game well there. They had to play well on all sides of the ball. Um, I wasn't necessarily surprised about Gunnar just because he does have a lot of errors. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but the Gold Glove Committee does care a lot about that. So I think that that did hurt him. It's not like rookie of the year where the stats later in the year could kind of swallow the ones that he had earlier in the year. Um, but I mean, Mountcastle was a surprise, but he played well. Adelaide deserves it. Um, I definitely agree with Annie's take on Austin Hayes. So he definitely made them more difficult than they needed to be, but he still got it done. All right, time to move on to uh, sort of a mini recap of the season. And, and this is personal for both of you guys. We'd love to know what was your best moment of the season and what was your worst moment of the season. And it's a podcast, so, uh, I mean, we don't have FCC restrictions here. <laughs> uh, best moment was when Danielle showed up, became a beat partner. That was great. Well said. Well said. <laughs> Smart man. Um, but but on, on the baseball field, I think best moment might have been um, – it, it could have been the – 
clinched the postseason against the you know walk off win against Tampa Bay. Um, you, you for a lot of these guys for for me you know first covering first champagne celebration too, but a lot of these guys enjoying their first champagne celebration. Uh, just a you know so much joy in that in that clubhouse and that was pretty cool to see. You know, pretty cool, a lot of fun to write about. Um, and I think you know it was a long time coming and, and absolutely deserved. Uh, I don't know if I have a worst moment. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I'll have to think on that one. I think my best and worst moment was that clincher. It was a very stressful day. Um, I mean, it went extra innings. There was a Ravens game at the same time. There was a lot of like nervous energy everywhere from you know the players to the us reporters covering it for the first time. So, um, but I agree with Andy. It was fantastic to see. It was really cool to experience it. And like for me personally moving home in the middle of the season and having my family there that day and getting to tell, you know, see them enjoy the moment. You, you know, grew up with the glory days of the Orioles and then sat through the rebuild and, you know, getting to share those moments with them was really cool. Mine was, uh, I mean, everything. I think the whole season was just from, from opening pitch to the last pitch. I think it was just a, um, just an incredible year. I think the fans believed in them. The fans, you got you got your fan base in the back. No one, well, one hundred percent. The fan and the fans knew that. Okay, we lost this year, but we have cavalry coming in the farm system coming for next year. So, by them understanding that, that gives the players a, a breath of fresh air and like, oh, we don't have to win right now, but we know we're going to come back. And my worst part of the season is my dumbass prediction. If we go back to. Uh, what is? I think I'm like 20 games off. I, what what they finish? What was the Orioles' record when they finished? 101 and 61. So I'm 90, 19 games off. I had them. Uh, I had them grinding at 82 and 80, making the playoffs, but grinding. They grinded 19 more wins. Tony Gwynn, all uh, RIP to my guy. So I just want that was my worst moment of the year is making that dumbass prediction. So uh, <laughs> that's why you make predictions, and that's why you know on this I, side. I, you know, I hope somebody seen it. I hope they had. I hope they had me on the board, uh, and maybe some like you know a nice debonair suit, and they start ripping off the clothes as I uh, as they got victories. I would submit, and I like those <laughs> that your two first pitches uh, during the regular season and postseason were the low points. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, my no, high that point. That was a low point, too. That wasn't playing the season. And why we need to keep showing that on YouTube is unnecessary. But, uh, that was everybody's high point. All right. As far as uh, – and we sort of got to this. Was there a game where you thought it was a turning point in the Orioles season? Was it the Rays series? Was it something else where you thought, wow, this team is going to be a lot better than, than we even thought, even though they were coming off a tremendous season last year? I always go back to Atlanta, but Danielle, you go, you go first. Sorry, you, I cut you off. Go ahead. Talk about Atlanta. I'll talk about Atlanta. I always go back to Atlanta. Uh, I, I think, I mean, they lost two or three there, but the the way they played overall was, you know, it showed that, uh, you know, wow, this team can, can play with the best team in the NL, uh, you know, at least regular season wise, you know, obviously, you know, playoffs worked the way it did, but they, they played really well in Atlanta, really tight games and, you know, these young players were not daunted by sellout crowds for three straight nights. And I always think like that was maybe the moment where I thought like, okay, this team can compete in the AL East and, you know, they ended up doing it. I always go back to the July 4th series in New York. Um, I remember they got demolished in the first two games. And then the third game, Gunnar Henderson has four hits. And this is like my second or third week on the job. 
And I just remember seeing Gunner come out and seeing the four hits. And it was his first, like, really cool performance of his that I saw in person. And I was like, this kid has it. He's leading his team. I think Colton Kowser may have come up during that series. Jordan Westbrook had just got here. So all their top prospects that were major league ready were there at one time. And they had a phenomenal series. The last two games came back. And I think they went on a winning streak after that until the All-Star break, if I remember right. I think they won most of them in Minnesota after that. But that just showed me that, like, you can have a really bad start. And then they rebounded. And they were perfectly fine after that. You know, it was like those first two games didn't happen at all. Like, we're able to completely wipe them out. I got a question for you. This just popped into my head randomly. Is <clears throat> when you walk around the ballpark, obviously, you know, you mingle with the fans. You, you, you're local. You know, you go in, you know the temperament of Baltimore sports, of, of just a local person in Baltimore. What do they really say about the Orioles? Like, is it just like, you know, like Major League where, ah, there's, these guys are good, but yeah, you know, who knows? Or is it like, uh, we got a squad for the future? Like, what's the fans' temperament about, about, uh, about their team and about the future? I think it goes two ways. I think, number one, they're really excited about the current team. Uh, Baltimore loves its prospects. You know, they're obsessed with them. They know everything about them. You know, they're ready for them to be here. But I think there is always with this fan base a concern that it's not going to last. Like they have the prospects, but are they going to pay them and keep them here long term? I think that there is still some hesitation that, you know, even though these guys are under team control, you know, they've fallen in love with players before and then they've been traded away. So or not paid when it comes to free agency. So I think that they're really excited, but they're like tentatively excited and you know, maybe hopeful that this will be different, that they will keep their love players here. Yeah, I think there's always a an undercurrent of, of worry and fear uh, in, in a, in a Baltimore fan. Um, you know, maybe that's because of the Baltimore Colts. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it stemmed from back then yeah. when they left the middle of the night. Uh, you know, it's it's just the kind of way it is. But yeah, I, I, you know, there's still there's still a lease to, to be finalized. You I was going to ask agreement. you about yeah. that. Where do things stand? Uh, they have a memorandum of understanding, uh, which is a non-binding uh, legal agreement um, that says uh, 30 extra years at at Cannon Yards, which um, they plastered that on the uh, on the scoreboard um, with Angelos and, and Governor Westmore um, really so celebrating this. And, you know, we discovered, you know, the next morning that it wasn't actually finalized. It's, it is just the memorandum memorandum of understanding. Um, the belief is, you know, that it will get done. Um, it, it's even if it's, even if it goes beyond the December 31, uh, you know, technically uh, deadline of when the lease ex- current lease expires is, is not the end of the world here. Um, but there's still a lot to be figured out because this is not a standard lease. You know, it's not just a, you know, the Ravens got, got their lease done uh, last year. Uh, and it, it was, you know, just basically the stadium complex. Uh, so it made it a lot more, not, it's never simple, but for lack of a better word, simple. Uh, this includes so much uh, development rights and, and how do you want to, you know, how do you want to rebuild the downtown corridor and, and add all of this development? Um, that makes it incredibly complicated. You need not just the MSA, and, and you know you need a lot of different, uh, a lot of different governmental departments to, to sign off and, and agree to things. And you know, so there's still uh, still a lot of uh, you know hoops to jump through, but you know it's on the right track, and, and it shouldn't be shouldn't be an overarching concern. 
All right, let's move on to these uh, postseason awards. Well, actually, they're for the regular season. We'll be given out in early November. And uh, let's start with the most valuable player, and we'll, we'll move along there, Adam. Uh, who gets your MVP in the American League? I think we know who that is. It seems like a <laughs> foregone conclusion. What about the National League? <laughs> I mean, the American League, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say. Uh, I mean, Jordan Alvarez, obviously, what, what he's doing. I think it's – you talking about the the season? Yes. Oh, the overall season. I'm talking about playoffs, yeah. man. My mind is my mind is play. My mind is mid in playoffs. Of course, you give it to Otani. Um, what he's done. Um, I mean, his impact alone. We we did it. We did. We talked about it months ago. Is you know, ten thousand more fans a game when he's when he's a starting pitcher. But to me, it's deep in my bones. I don't think that the most valuable player belongs should come from a team that's not in the playoffs. That's just me. Um, baseball is the only sport that does that. Uh, I, I mean, remember football when will, that one, they finished last and they won. Yeah, Andre Dawson at it. Um, to me, oh, Corey Seager. Because... I mean, if you just take them off that team, they they you know they finish what two games above the threshold of just you know of beating the Mariners because my two is Julio Rodriguez. What those guys did, they put their teams in the playoff picture. Seager hitting three fifty as a shortstop, big I mean, like that's unbelievable. And he missed a significant amount. Of, that's why I would go to Julio Rodriguez, but he didn't make the playoffs. So the American League is real complicated for me because it's. Uh, it's it's Otani is the guy, obviously. You know, you give it to him, but I get it. National League, I mean, Ronald Acuna, uh, from top to bottom, he had the best year. Obviously, Mookie Betts finished second. Um, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson rounded out to me, but top to bottom, from the day one to the last game of the season, Ronald Acuna was the best player in baseball. He's forty and seventy. Period. All right. Danielle? <laughs> I mean, so these, we vote on these in like early September. So like even the last months of the season isn't really included in this either. Um, I think that should change, but it's where it is now. Um, I'm pretty simple. It's in Gotani and Acuna Jr. Andy? Um, I agree with Adam Jones that Corey Seager is the MVP of the AL. Uh, Acuna for NL. Um are we including Cy Young? Are we talking Cy Young too? We'll move this? on to that next. Okay, we'll, we'll do yeah. that next. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I Otani brings so much to the to the plate, but that team doesn't make the playoffs. And, and I, I think Corey Seager, what, what he did in a premium position, obviously Otani's in two premium positions, uh, but um, but I, I do think Corey Seager's unbelievable year uh, plays a you know should push push him over the edge. All right, as I said, Cy Young Award winners, Adam. We'll start with you, American League and National League. Uh, nationally, I can go first because I, I got to go with my guy out in San Diego, Blake Snell. Um, it, Cy Young, I think, is more individualized than the MVP in a way. Um, you 30 start, 34 starts, you can control a lot of that. His walk total was extremely high. He led the league in walks and strikeouts, which is, I think has either never been done or only been done once. But he also led an ERA, or say either the ERA led an ERA or second ERA. That means that he, although he's getting in trouble, nobody's crossing the plate. That says something. He's, he doesn't even need his defense sometimes because he's striking guys out. So that means he's been dominant. 
Now, the, you, you can't control your wins, losses, because the win is not even important anymore as a starting pitcher, as uh, some people have, have said. So we're there. Um, you go there. In American League, it's yeah, – it's, you know what? And, and I'm going to go with the playoff team. I'm going to put Bradish in there. I'm a, it's a wild card. I mean, I, I think it, it can be like when Snell won it in 18. People are like, okay, like let me look at how good his year really was. I think this will make people go look at how good Bradish's year really was and compare it to always oh, number. No, go back and look at the numbers and dissect them and see how good he really was last year or this year. Cole, obviously dominant as always. But not a playoff team. Um, just I'm just going for fresh blood over here. I mean, my American League. I'm going fresh blood. I can't call out no Yankee for no award. <laughs> Danielle, <laughs> I I think Tyler Bradish had a great year. I think the thing that's going to hurt him is he's not a super flashy pitcher, which you don't you don't need to be. You don't need to be a high strikeout guy. You don't have to be that to be successful. But I do wonder if that's going to hurt him in the voting. Um, and he got better as the season went along. And again, because the votes were a little earlier, I wonder if that will hurt him. I see Garrett Cole in American League and Blake Snell for the National League. I am tempted for NL Logan Webb to give a little bit of love love from, from the Giants. Um, although Blake Snell was, was terrific as, as well. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with, with Blake Snell. I voted on the AL Cy Young, and I'm not allowed to disclose the uh, the votes. Uh, sure. But I think the, the names that you uh, – that you put out there are all absolutely worthy of, of consideration for AL Cy Young. All right. When it comes to rookie of the year, is there any debate in the American League with Gunner and then, of course, Carroll over there in the National League? Is anyone disputing this? Carroll for the National League, I think, is just, I think that's a unanimous. I mean, 25 40, that's unanimous. There's some other guys, Nate Jones out in Colorado, terrific player also. I think it's Nate Jones, something Jones. Nolan uh, Jones. Terrific. Nolan Jones, there we go. Terrific player also, 2020 coming out. So there's some good players over there, but Carroll gets it. I don't know if Nolan's eligible because he came up later. Damn, and he put the numbers up? Yeah, they – Damn. Yeah, a whole other story. Damn. But when it comes to the American League, it's – there's going to be – it's going to be a two-headed race because, like you said, the voting happens in early September. Josh Young, to me – was was you know started the season off hot. I think everybody was going with him. Gunner started off slow, so like, oh, right, what's going on? My pre- my pick from the re- from preseason was Gunner. Like like a lot of people, and then the injury happened. So I don't know from when that injury happened to the voting and and how much that could have changed because you just said when you guys voting. I think if the voting happened, you know, at the end of the season, it's Gunner because the, it's obviously hot and you know you get the fresh. I think that's going to be the closest race. I think Gunner's going to pull it off. I think that's going to be the closest race because you got to respect the first four months that uh, that young put that young put up, and you also have to respect the four months that the last four months that Gunner put up. So you just have to mesh and see who's was more impactful. I I think Gunner had done enough though before the voting to prove it. Um, I think Josh Young, you do have to, I mean, for better or for worse, he was injured for a good portion of the season. And you do have to take that into account and, you know, look at the statistic comparison. You know, to me, I think it's a lot easier to remember how somebody finished versus how they started a season. So I think it's still clearly Gunner. I, I agree. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's Gunner. Um, he's 
you know, does it does phenomenal. It all. Yeah, he does it all. He's <laughs> yeah, a, a joy to watch, and, and O's fans should be a pretty glad that he's on their team. Absolutely, I believe that trophy will be sitting very somewhere true. in a home in Selma, Alabama, very soon. No doubt about very that. True. All right, finally, our managers of the year in the American League. To me, it's coming down between Brandon Hyde and Bruce Bochy. Adam, we'll let you decide, and then we'll talk about the mm. National League. That that you just threw out, Bruce Bochy. That's like that is. That is that is that that man. But to that, they brought Bruce Bochy out of retirement with a team in hand. They wouldn't get the seventy-two-year-old, seventy-three-year-old man out of bed and say, "Here's a rebuild. Here's, here's give me three years out of you." They said, "No, here's a team that I need. I'm winning. I'm trying to win right now." So to him, to to the credit of that, obviously he's doing a fantastic job. Um, but he got a team. He got a veteran team. Brandon Hyde last year had a great chance to win it this year this is his award it's it's his award unanimously top to bottom with the job he's done and again you have to include the, the fact that he does not have the payroll flexibility as other guys at the play at the deadline he wasn't able to go get max scherzer and add another 40 something 50 million dollar to his payroll couldn't go get verlander and add all this money to his payroll so to 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 that i, I think brandon high this year unanimous to me what about the National League? You have a thought there because that's uh, the National League. I don't really think about National League too much. I mean, I, I want Bob Melvin to get it out there, um, but no, honestly, this year. I mean, but again, you said the voting was already done, but you know what I mean. So, because I always think about now, and my my goal would be, it's it's hard not to go back to back with uh, with with um, uh, Schnitker. Brian um, I'm Unfortunately, it, it's hard not to go with him. I love Rob Thompson. I think he does. A, he finished second to me. Snitker, again, he's leading a band of superstars, and he's controlling the superstars. The Padres have a group of superstars that aren't able to be controlled and get the Ws. He's controlling the superstar in a great organization, and he's getting the best out of his players day in and day out. They were projected to be the winners, and – you know, other division, they did that. Obviously, the World Series is a different task, but to me, it's hard to to dethrone Snitker. I, I think with the American League, I mean, you look at Texas, they didn't win a division, though. You know, they dipped for a good portion of the season. You know, there was a layoff, and obviously, you know, they had some injuries there, but the every team has injuries, and the Orioles were able to win the division with a younger team who had never done it before. So, I think Hyde's the obvious choice there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I think the Diamondbacks manager deserves a lot of credit for what he did this year. You know, they also lost 100 games two years ago. And, you know, I used to cover the Rockies, so I was in Arizona all the time. And even a year ago, I was sitting there and I was like, man, this team is not good. They're not put together. Their defense is awful. And just the difference that they made in the past year to now be in the playoffs and in the NLCS, like, I think he deserves a lot of the credit. Their team is not changed that much from the team I was watching the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a, I think it's Tori Lavulo for, for the Diamondbacks is, is, is definitely a good, good call from, from Danielle um, for NL. Even, you know, Snicker is right in that, in that race. I would, I would, I would throw Craig council in there too uh, for the Brewers. Um, that's another small market team that again, has done great things. Uh, they have an easier path to the playoffs because the, the NL Central is, is kind of a mess. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, and obviously if you account for the playoffs, you know, things change, but you don't, you, you can't, you know, it's, it's a regular season award. So um, 
you know, for, for a lot of these guys, you know, if it was based on the postseason Dimebacks, you know, of course, you know, they, they had the best run of, of any of these teams. Um, but, uh, you know, AL, I, I do believe Brandon Hyde is the, is the guy for it. Um, it is, you know, if it is a postseason award, Bruce Bochy got the upper hand and, and, you know, has the last laugh, you know, his, his team went deeper than the O's did, but, um, Brandon Hyde did a, did a great job turning around uh, turning around this organization, and I, I think he you know deserves it because not many guys last a rebuild. You know, most of the time you have a manager that you know if you're doing a rebuild, they get fired at the end of it, or they're just let go. And, and the fact that you know this is you know he's he's weathered the the storm of 100 losses to to reap the benefits is a credit to him. All right, I think that's a good conversation. What a roundtable it was with Danielle Allentuck and Andy Koska. Now you guys get some time off, or maybe not, depending on what the Orioles do or don't do before spring training cranks up. Thanks again for taking the times, and look forward to doing this again with you, too. Thank you. I know you enjoy, Adam, getting a media perspective on how they perceive things. Well, I mean, I'm in that side now, so uh, obviously I respected the craft over the years, but, yeah, I'm getting it. Get, it's a good time and it's good education to learn and understand how the media thinks, what kind of questions you ask, what you know, just the other side of the coin. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And next week, of course, you will be at the World Series. Oh, You'll be yeah. our exclusive correspondent out there. <laughs> so we'll get all the 411 from you next week, wherever the World Series is being held. Would you like a World Series hat or a World Series pin or something like that? Would you Would you like something like that, Jay? You know the answer to that question. All righty, we move along from baseball to the pigskin and the Ravens coming off their most dominant win of the year. It's our For the Birds segment, which is presented to us by our friends at the Baseball Warehouse, where you learn the game correctly. And Adam, the Ravens, I thought they made a statement last Sunday with the Lions in their den. Lamar Jackson and the offense just cranked it up as they became the first team in the NFL this year to reach the end zone on their first four trips. And from then, it was all Ravens. I mean, I wanted to say to one of our sponsors, Sons, um, you know who you are, uh, Mr. Weinman. <laughs> I saw the tweet. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was personal. Uh, but again, you're having a great. The Lions are having a great season. But no, um, I, I, I think coming off the win a couple of weeks ago, lost a couple of weeks ago in Pittsburgh. They took chances last week when they were in London. Um, they took everything. Tucker six for six. It's been you know, I think that was a career high. That means that they got down there and took all the points. This this game, I just think it was just everything was in sync. That was the best I think I've ever seen the Ravens' offense look like in the first half in a long, long time. I mean, probably ever. And they were just in sync. And again, it, it takes time. Offenses take time. And uh, hopefully going forward, they, they keep that style of offense because I think fans love that. It keeps their defense fresh, their defense energized, their defense was hungry getting after golf. So um, keep, keep that style of play going. And uh, yeah, I, I think everybody thoroughly enjoyed that game. We we're watching it and it was like, hey, it's halftime and uh, let's catch up on uh, the shy. <laughs> I think Coach Harbaugh knew something, too, because yeah. usually if he wins the coin toss, he defers. This time around, he took the football, and they never stopped reaching the end zone. Oh, they – they I mean, it was it was efficient. Lamar had one of the most efficient games, if not the most efficient game of his career. Oh, yeah. It was, four, it, four it, time, it, 300 passing yards, three TDs, and no picks. And it was beautiful. That yeah, was just a clean game. And, you know, I have Andrew, so my fantasy. And, you know, just keep throwing, feed my man. Feed my man. 
But Lamar did say after the game that, listen, these regular season wins are great, but it's all about the postseason. He knows that's how he's going to be judged, Adam. Of course. But, I mean, again, you still have to get there. Uh, you know, I mean, you can always say, you know, Jeter always said, oh, we're judged, about, we're judged by our championships. Yeah. But we still got to get there. You can't just bypass say, oh, we're in the playoffs. No, you got to get there first. And, you know, all these wins account for something. The division is up. For, it's, the division is theirs this year. I mean, the, how the Bengals started, I think that the Ravens have uh, a very strong case in the lead to win this division. And they just need to keep continue to go through, get the number one seed, get that by, and whatever the number one seed holds, have games in MNC Bank because that's the, I just think that's the, the best formula. They have the second toughest schedule in the NFL going forward, although this week it seems like it's a cakewalk. There never is one in the NFL, but they're facing a one-win Arizona team that seems to be playing for a top draft pick. They'll have Josh Dobbs. I don't think little Kyler Murray's coming back to play. Well, the thing is, is when you go on the road, you got to get them field goals. You got the best kicker to ever do it. Take them points. Again, I'm not. I'm just a fan, um, but a lot of fans think they're the same way. Just take them points. You got the best guy to ever do it. So, you know, if, he, if you got to use them eight times, Use him, okay? He's he got enough Royal Farm commercials. Uh, he's, he got he got means he got time on his hands. So use him. Use this man. He is great. Get him. Get them three, and then get that defense and get another three. I mean, obviously you want to get the end zone as much as possible, but you know, if you got somebody that you can count on from, I mean, sixty-five in, like, give him the ball. Well, the Ravens will be looking for a third straight win, looking to go 3-1 and one on the road. This will be the first yeah. of three West Coast trips they still have to take. They still have to go out to the Chargers for a Sunday night game in November. And then Christmas night, Monday night football, they will be at the 49ers. Yeah. All right. We'll conclude this episode with some socially speaking, where we address a social media post or even a podcast rating. And for those who are not in the mix and how you rate our podcasts, Here's a simple video that even I can understand. On your phone, go to podcast. Type in Adam Jones. Now you're at the Adam Jones podcast. Then just follow us. It's free. Rate us. Five stars would be great. Now that was easy, right? On social media, we're at Adam Jones pod. That address will become important in a few moments because I have something to tell you about our podcast address but you can also locate the podcast and rate it as we just showed you especially on apple Podcasts. this week adam we heard from zach via apple podcast where he rated the podcast appropriately with five stars that automatically qualifies him for an iron rooster gift card by the way if you want to learn how to rate the podcast watch that video again the review was titled great show it came from zach 5963 he wrote about the podcast I love how they hit it all in Baltimore sports, not just the Orioles. They bring such great guests on with so many wonderful stories. Love the show. We love that review. Thank you very much, Zach. And uh, again, you become eligible for that Iron Rooster gift card. We, hey, we appreciate that. Yeah, we, we do. We really do. Yeah. From Barcelona to Baltimore, we appreciate it. We do also appreciate our loyal, dedicated sponsors. Go out and support these people. Hi guys, Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. 
We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones Podcast. The Baseball Warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the Major Leagues. Check out thebaseballwarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's baseball warehouse opening in columbia this october yeah it's october 8th from 1 to 5 p.m i'll be there with many of my former teammates and i want to see you there the adam jones podcast is brought to you by jimmy's famous seafood charm city's favorite crab cake destination local sports fan experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate cheer on the ravens with iconic live performances an open bar and mouth-watering eats can't make it no worries bring the same food that caught the attention of the food network right to your doorstep shipping east coast recipes nationwide jimmy's famous seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the adam jones podcast and by our friends at the wineman company your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf. Medical cannabis only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award-winning coffee just for signing up. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to be a professional football kicker. I would know. I am a professional football kicker. So when I need the energy to get through a tough practice, I get a cup of coffee from Royal Farms. Royal Farms' new coffee machines grind fresh beans and brew them for a perfect cup every time. It's the freshest coffee in the world and just the kick I need. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Also, thanks to senior executive producer Chip Franklin. (laughs) Chip is the man with a million ideas, Adam. But here's some breaking news. I just realized that this guy who has produced now 52 of our episodes just followed our Twitter account at Adam Jones on (laughs) X this past week. Is that some? I don't follow it either. No, I'm slaying. Is that some (laughs) BS or what? Come on. Hey, it takes time. 
Yeah, it took almost a year. <laughs> That's his way to get revenge, showing the pie in the face. Get with the program, Chip. Go out and subscribe to the Baltimore Banner. That about does it. Until next week, be real, be kind, and be back for another episode of what we call the Adam Jones Podcast. See ya. 